Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood with you this morning. You can follow us on our Facebook page, our Real Adventures Facebook page. Uh, Redmond, it's a huge week in fishing because we're seeing southern bluefin tuna right along our coastline up to 40 kilos it sent fishermen mad right around the state and obviously we're seeing these in other states as well but particularly victoria at the moment it is going bananas it is patrick the tuna it's safe to say that you know you wouldn't want to be portland right now because portland's portland down there is the tuna capital and it's got a bit of a contender right now with the tuna that has rocked up outside of the port Phillip bay heads and we're going to talk plenty of tuna today. We're going to have Sam Goodwin uh, taking us through how to look after a fish a different way that other people don't know how to do it. Also about looking after your catch, obviously the areas to catch them, and also the uh, the lures techniques here because it's not quite the same as other places due to the fish being that little bit finicker. Before we get into that, uh, you went away last weekend and we had a bit of a chat around Peter Bar, reviewed that, the world's steepest boat ramp. How did your week, uh, how did your week get on? <sighs> If I had my review again, we wouldn't do the place. No, we, we, uh, so I, I headed down there. We do every year. We head down to Princetown. We stay at the Camping Recreation Reserve. Beautiful like we place. Said. Yeah, and we sit, kick back the kangaroos. And I should have stayed in that place. I shouldn't have left. Because it should be noted that the, the area should only be fished if you're an expert. Yes, pretty much. You, you're, Launching your boat. You're not. You, no. don't, you don't spend enough time fishing. <laughs> I was... Uh, <laughs> Take the picture let's just, for us. Let's just say we... We shouldn't have even gone out in the first place because the swell was <laughs> four to six metres. Uh, not even in that, but Gibbsy... 46 metres. Gibbsy is a very close friend of mine. And even, we go down there every year and we dive. And usually the, along the southwest coast, we have dramas with swell there pretty much all year round. But they've got a place called the Bay of Islands, which we spoke about last Be- week. In, beautiful place. It's cracking place. And you can always find somewhere to dive. So we thought. Uh, in the end... We've, we got down to the ramp, and I said to the boys, on the way down, we're passing a beautiful coastline, 12 apostles, and the swell's cranking. They're nearly bigger than the 12 apostles. <laughs> well, the four apostles, there's only a couple left. <laughs> we were driving along, and I said to the boys, just, we're not getting in. I said, they've got no chance of diving. And we weren't right there. We weren't there to fish. We are there to dive. That's what we like doing there. <laughs> anyway, we get to the boat ramp. We have a look at it. And what we've always done is we've targeted... The tide was incoming. Mm-hmm. So we've targeted the boat ramp. So if you're sitting on your phone now, pulled over in a car... Google Peterborough boat ramp so you get a picture of what I'm talking about. <laughs> the the ramp, it's, I was going to say it's 100 metres steep. <laughs> it's like 80 metres down on an angle that, what would you say with the angle but, is? Well, give, uh, me, give me a number. I don't know. It's <laughs> anyway, so we punt, degrees? It's stupid. So <laughs> more, we're driving more? down there and I'm dri- so I drive nose down, yep. aiming towards the turn. You could call it, they call it a ramp. I call it a concrete path. So, so you're driving. So you're not backing down it. So not, we didn't. You can, but we didn't. So we yep. like to beach launch it, uh, which... Every single person does. A good friend of mine ended up helping us out of the situation I'm about to tell you about. But he helped us and he goes, you've done nothing, mate. He goes, you've just been real unlucky here. So before Christmas, the ramp was shut. I think he was just being um, <laughs> being he, polite. Yeah, he, he told me, he gave me a mouthful. But no, he said before Christmas, what happened was a bit of silt and soft sand come in uh, due to the swell that they'd had. And they thought it had cleared it out. And obviously the swell had come up and it hadn't been like that for a couple since Christmas, basically. 
And so I come down. I went down, had a look at it, checked it out. And I'm thinking, oh, there's not going to be no... It's, it's on a slight angle too. So I thought, no, nah, no drama at all. Come down to the bottom with the old Amarok <laughs> pulled down. Come off the side of the ramp, pulled up. Quite hard sand. Trailer where the trailer was sitting, hard as a rock. Couldn't sink. You couldn't even sink your feet into it. But up where the car was, it was slightly soft. But I didn't think it'd be anything close enough to sink the car. I've gone to back the the back the trailer into the water. Well, Gibbsy did. I was in the I was in the boat getting ready to. Sam Goodman was going to hook it, hit the brakes, and I was just going to drive it out because it dropped off quite steep. Yep. Gibbsy, go. Gibbsy, going. Sam, what's he doing? Yeah, no, we're stuck. <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> we're stuck? I said, what? Jump out. We're bogged. We're screwed. We're literally screwed. And you know, when I say we're in a tight spot, we've probably got 15 meters that way and 10 meters this way. So we can't do anything. In the end, uh, we t- we end up taking the boat straight away. Took the trailer off the off the boat. We put our tires down to 15. This is how confident we were. We weren't going to have dramas. Yeah. But numb nuts over here forgot to take bring his maxi tracks, didn't I? <laughs> And you can you can say that because we are going to review oh. Maxi Tracks a little later in this morning's Real Adventures episode. I literally episode. forgot to bring them. They were sitting next to the shed. I was going to cable time to the, my, my roof rack where I always put them on, and I just I had every I had the whole recovery kit. I just forgot the Maxis because I was packed. I don't I don't want to talk about it. it makes me angry. <laughs> but long story short, we're stuck on the boat ramp. No one coming. There's a couple of people every twenty minutes coming down. No one to help us. In the end, to get the boat off. So we got the we took the trailer off the boat and sort of swung it around a little bit to try and and the waves are because it was because the swell was up every ten minutes we caught the real big swell and it was coming up all up past towards where the car was just getting the bottom tide and going up the car but enough deep enough we're like all right the only way we're going to get which absolutely panics the crap out of you well we knew it was pretty much high tides so thinking it can't get any worse than this yep. it probably could the way we were going <laughs> but I said let's just, we're just going to somehow float this boat off the trailer to get the trailer out of the way and hopefully grab someone just to rip the arse and sorry can I say that on track? You can, you can. <laughs> the arse end of the boat out, <laughs> arse end of the car out with another with another um another car just off that ramp. Long we got it anyway, we got the boat off, then we had a few guys come I was like I said, I had Dan come down and made a mine, so there was five of us and we're back and forward for over an hour. Because lucky with the, we spoke about roller and skid trailers last week. We did. Lucky I we had did. roller trailers because the boat just wanted to slide off. Yep. Only drama is you got ten grand's worth of electronics sitting on the back of it. <laughs> the transducers. My transducers are buried five meters under the sand because when the trailer comes off, yep. uh, the boat comes off the trailer. Sorry, it digs itself in, so we couldn't actually yeah. move the boat any further. So we're trying hoping waves come up to float it. In the end, another four blokes come down. I think it was 44 people helping us here by this stage. <laughs> the whole of Peterborough. <laughs> the whole of Peterborough come down to watch these idiots from Ocean Grove come down and make them fool themselves. <laughs> we were wobbling the boat off. We finally got the boat off. Float, I drove it out. I anchored it. Swung back in. The, like I said, the trailer was never stuck. Could have you used the boat to try and pull the car out? I couldn't. The boat wasn't. The water was there for about three seconds. Yeah. Oh, as in, you mean from in the water? Like I, actually, don't, I reckon it would have revved out. I don't reckon it have enough power. Yeah. I just don't reckon it would. Um, not only that, you're versing rocks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I can only explain it by one way. Everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> there's just rocks everywhere. Not a very long. We in the end, we like Dan goes. It's a learning curve, and, mate. I'm just, it's not a learning curve. I don't do this stuff. So we, we moved the trailer. Like I said, the trailer wasn't stuck. We moved that. No worries. Once the boat was off it, and then eight bloke. We they all pushed the car. We did the tires were down, so we pushed the car out, floated up. Uh, the car came out. No worries. Then I drove the car onto the ramp, <laughs> hooked the trailer on, drove up, backed that down, drove the boat straight up onto the trailer, and it worked. Actually, no, no, I lied to you. We went out fishing. 
So we, we went out so we went out diving, drove out, wasted half an hour looking for somewhere to dive, nearly copped 55-foot waves on our top of our heads, drove back in, put the boat on the trailer, went home. Next day, come and did the same thing again. Did but you, we didn't. We launched on the ramp. Did you have a beer when you got home that afternoon? After I would never have a beer after I did that. <laughs> you might have needed 10. I had a bottle of Jameson because I was 18. <laughs> we, it was a painful day. But like I said, in the end, you can laugh at it now. It was. I generally thought I was, I was screwed, but you can laugh at it now, but... Anyway, my week in fishing, Patrick. <laughs> well, let's get to your week in fishing because it's been a great week for both of us. And we've seen right throughout uh, the surf coast, the school tuna, absolutely going bananas. Um, but before we get to that, just bar crossings, I want you to talk about them because there's been a few boats flip over yeah. in their rush to get out and chase these fish. You'll get them, but you've just got to be patient. You don't need to do stupid things on the way out through a bar. Fishing Ocean Grove... Uh, or when I say Ocean Grove, coming out of the Bowen River, Ocean Grove boat ramp or the Bowen head side are your two options. And you've also got the heads. Yep. Other than a beach launch at Torquay in pretty much your place down yep. at Mogs there, there's not much else to get you there. Uh, so you're crossing bars or a surf beach to get there. Swell's been up during the week, hence the whiting fishing went really well. But people are just seeing these on Facebook and they're going out, which I understand. You, you want Everyone wants to catch these fish. It's awesome that they're here and so close but sure. the yep. problem is we had a couple of boats go over during the week, a couple of the river, and I think even in the heads, a few close calls or one. I know a charter that doesn't know what he's doing, but I won't mention it, who's been following our good mate Chriso around yep. uh, for Chriso. But he's uh, he copped a wave midship, and Chris was right next to him, and he nearly went over as well. So don't go following all the charters out. Follow the local ones because some of them don't necessarily know what they're doing, and I'm yep. not picking. I'm just telling you guys who are That's listening the facts, the facts yep. uh, because he copped a midship, and then he went – down to the east and cop- I don't want to, it was no good Chris I was painting the picture on the phone to me but it's a very treacherous place it's one of the most dangerous waterways in the world the the rip but in saying that for me I would much rather cross the rip than the Bowen River when there's swell yeah, the absolutely. reason for it is, is the river is pretty much a surf beach on surf beach when it happens like it's just waves on waves when the swells and the swell has been up yep. so people you've got to time your run to get out of the river how you want to do it, there's no specific lead lines. It's pretty much come around the red can at the end and just head out. But you've got swell that will can break the whole way through there. And what I mean the whole way through, it's for, for 100 metres out. It's, you got to remember 13th Beach is there, crazy surf break. Then you've got all the surf breaks to the left of you too, and they meet together in a way, and it can roll through. So when you are crossing, get your run. Sit at the can for close to maybe 10 or 15 10 minutes, 15 minutes if you have to, just to learn when the waves are coming in because you'll find a pattern out and that's probably going to be your only chance. But in saying that, also don't go if you're not confident because you're going to end up on Channel 7 and you don't want to do that because yep. you're on the, it's no good if you flip your boat. Uh, you, you're going to kill people. You're going to hurt yourselves. And then the rip, like I said, crossing that, the best, if you're not experienced, the best time to cross the rip is slack water. It's when there's no tide. But if there's swell up, the swell will still roll in. It'll just keep rolling in. It won't break as such a lot of the time unless it's very big, but the outgoing tide pushing against it, it can do anything it wants to do. It's a prig of a place at its time, but the thing is you shouldn't be fishing out there if it's not good enough for you to go through. So just be mindful of your friends and family at home because I literally witnessed the word. Well, I didn't witness it. It was just after I went out. I went out in the swell. I know what I'm doing. I've been. I've lived here my whole life. I've gone out of the rip, out of the river my whole life. I know what I'm doing. There's guys behind coming in a couple of hours later, probably seeing the car there and go, oh, if he's out there, we can probably do it. It's because I do it every day. Don't just go out there and take a punt where if I went to Naruma right now, I'm not going to follow the locals out there because I just don't know what I'm doing. Yep. So, and, and look, and that's me saying it too. I believe I'm 
decent at crossing bar crossings. So be smart where you are. It doesn't matter where you are around the country. Just be a bit mindful on the conditions and the swell. How are we targeting these fish at the moment, Redmond? We went out yesterday. Hooks, you went out hooks. earlier in the week. Hooks um, are good. It's uh, it's not super hard fishing at the moment. It's quite extraordinary to see yeah. that many fish. There's so much bait. If you can get out, it is a lot of fun. It is, and you spot on. There's a lot of fish there. Uh, they're, they're, I reckon they'll be east as well, but going off the reports and also what I've seen, they are from the heads right past, I reckon, to nearly Apollo Bay, probably by the looks of things. Yeah. Uh, the problem is they're showing up in random depth. So sometimes they're in 15, then all of a sudden they're in 60. And the other issue of finding these fish is they haven't specifically been on the surface like we normally see bluefin. So you're not having Which the birds. Which is what we got last year. Yeah, yeah you yep. had the mutton birds on them specifically last year yep. where they're not actually holding on them that well. So how we're actually, you're actually blind hooking. You go into the area where the, the boats are or um, where people have been catching them. You're marking them up on your sonar going, crap, here we go. And when you're marking them up, I mean you're marking them up. And... If huge I, schools. Huge. Yep. The jet heads have been working better. So the harder heads, the, the, you can nearly say bullet heads as well, but the jet heads have been working better than your normal heads and getting your lure size slightly down. Uh, I had mates on the weekend that, there's some, like we said before, there's 40 kilo fish out there. They're big fish. Mm. The boys were trying to, uh, during the week, sorry, the boys are trying to get bigger fish and they uh, were running 13-inch lures and the schoolies were still eating them. 13-inch lures, that's bigger than what I use for my barrels. I use yeah. 8 to 10s. 10s max, max 12 on the odd occasion. So they're big lures they're using, trying to get through them to get the 40-kilo ones, and they were still eating them. So they obviously had a patch of fish that was feeding hard. You can use techniques such as micro-jigging. You can use techniques as uh, casting surf poppers to them if they do come up, uh, because a tuna will break the surface and come out and eat a popper. I like subsurface, so we like the bungee casts, as we always talk about. Upgrade those hooks. We've spoke about it numerous times. Uh... Locating them, like I said before, is going to be your hardest, hardest uh, aspect to find them. So using your, your using your sonar, whatever it is, to find these fish is going to be your best way to do it. Uh, I reckon boat traffic is going to boats out there. It's a challenge as well. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. They come up, bang. Yep, it's million boats on them. It's just and just be, when you are fishing, just have a bit of respect for people. Get close, get onto the school of fish. But remember, people are fighting fish. Let's not cut people off. People are coming all the way down from. Melbourne or Bendigo to case these fish and you know, they might only hook two for the day if they only hook two and you cut them off they won't be too happy so also you've got $60 lures out there at times so be a bit mindful a bit smarter and uh, look after look after the fish when you catch them too which we'll speak about a little bit later on with, uh, with Sammy Goodwin It's a huge episode of Real Adventures coming up plenty more after the break You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it in to our Real Adventures Facebook page. Uh, Redmond, first one is for you, and it's off the back of our tuna conversation. This is from Trent. What colour lures are working the best? Uh, I'd be going nearly with your divers as well, so not just necessarily your skirted lures. Go, you, Make sure you're running a couple of divers. Um, reason for this... They create a tension and vibration, so they might, you might not catch a heap of fish on them, but they are they are eating them, no worries. But even if they aren't, they're still doing their job. They're still causing rattle and creating um, creating the fish to come up and look, and all of a sudden they see these skirted lures working on the top. So don't be hesitant to put them out. I'd be running anything not too big, so running your, your 30s probably, uh, your 30 
um, grand, uh, your 30 size 30 big propellers yep. rather than running those big 40s or even 50s to get it down at just that bit you can't trawl as fast but I'd be dealing with it popping because you'll catch more fish you've changed the hooks for that you're going to go singles yeah always trebles? single trebles yep. yeah yeah. Some, yeah like you said some will come but with treble some will come with singles when you buy them uh, definitely definitely up them to the singles just not only that Pat it, you, you're saving yourself in the boat if one flicks out and hits you you don't want trebles into you you'd rather a single hook if you're going to have a hook in you and also when you're getting looking after the fish say for example releasing one or you can you can get the hook out of the fish quite easy and you're not going to have a drama hurting it if you're going to release it or even in the boat you don't have to get plies in and just dig into the fish to try and rip the uh, rip the trebles out uh, back to the colors question I'd be always running the spread I wouldn't specifically be targeting it and what I mean by that is don't just have all all green lures out because you got them on green the other day what about if they're not eating green today so start start with something for uh, that covers your whole ball ground, uh, ballpark. So you might have a green, a blue, and a pink out, yep. and a couple of divers, or a diver and another chuck another one in there, an orange. Uh, once one starts to favour, then start to lean that way. Yep. So if the green starts to go good again, maybe like you get two fish on a green, not on a blind hookup, then maybe pop another greening. Yep. That'll be a smart fishing. Jason Walker. Hey, guys. What do you do when you're getting hit constantly by small pinkies? I've moved numerous times but with the same result, tried burly, then no burly, tried bigger baits, but no success. If you can work that out, give me a call. <laughs> because this I, happened to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, this is so whiting fishing at the minute is just I'm tipping that's where he's coming from. And whiting fishing at the moment around Portfolio Bay. <laughs> the the answer I got to get away from him is get shallower and get towards Queenscliff. Yep. But as soon as you go into that slightly deeper water at St. Leonard's area, anywhere out there, there. they are plagues and it's actually a good thing. It's a so, great thing because in a few years' Well, time, that's exactly right. Now, you might not, I don't know if, Jace, you've been how long you've been fishing for. It might be 20 years, could be two. But a few years ago, we had the best snapper run in Port Phillip Bay ever. And the lead-up to that early days, I remember the pinkies were extremely bad. Then all of a sudden, the pinkies disappeared. The whiting were easy to get again because the pinkies weren't wrecking your day. But then, a few, then the snapper went good, the big snapper in snapper season. Fisheries said, in a couple of years' time, our snapper fishery is going to be insane due to the juvenile pinkies that they record in the bay the last few years. So this is where their research comes into play, how I believe it's going to work. I think it's just a cycle, Pat. What happens here is that we get the pinkies now, they're annoying us, but the whiting, you can still work through them. And there's no, honestly, honestly, the burly, nothing, they're just bad. I've got no answer for you. But fish Queenscliff, but what's going to happen is the pinkies are going to turn into snapper, which are then in two or three years' time, they're going to be what we want to catch. You won't be complaining then. And then you might not have that. There might be just a cycle of no pinkies again in the bay and you catch your whiting easily. And then probably in five years' time or 10 years' time or three years' time, it might do the same thing again. You might have pinkies bad again and then no pinkies three years later and the snapper session goes, season goes good. So positive with the negative. Snapper season looks good. But yes, it is very hard to get through and I honestly don't have a real answer for you. Bobby Griffiths, I've got a question for you, boys. Well, this will be good. That name's familiar. Red Always is telling me how he took the best hangers back in his <laughs> oh, day. So I was wondering who has the highest box jump challenge. That's on the back of uh, a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I had a might have um, to drop into the club on the way pre-season's back. Pre-season's weights yeah, session, jump 57 inches. How high do you reckon you could jump? At the minute, I reckon I'd get about four. <laughs> <laughs> Three years ago, maybe a couple more. You, no, Bobby is spot on. You are always talking about how back in my day I could sit on shoulders. Rah, 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 um, no, rah, I'm rah. still going to do it. Well, you still can do yeah. it. 
with the setup that you're running with at the moment. <laughs> Not with this setup. I mean, the, the ultimate dad bod. I need to borrow some money to get a whole body transplant. <laughs> the new, oh, I'm not doing too well with the old jammo gut at the moment. I've got to... Bobby, get stuffed anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up our social club, our questions from social media. If you've got questions for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook page. Now it's time for Dream Boating Destinations. Thanks to Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Now, Redmond, this is one of my favourite locations that I've actually never been to. Now, I've done a little bit of research on it and uh, and sat down for a coffee with my good mate, Harry Taylor. Our destination in focus today is Geraldton in Western Australia. Now, I've, I've, I actually have been there. I've been through there when I was about seven years of age, but haven't been so there in recent it. times. <laughs> uh, but for those unfamiliar uh, with Geraldton, it's about 400-odd k's outside of Perth, so it's a decent trek. So you're sort of looking at sort of four and a half hours. But if you're willing to, to make the effort, it is one of the better fisheries that we have in our wonderful country. When we're talking about crayfish, well, Geraldton is about as good as it gets. Obviously, it sits on the west coast. So it does get hammered by wind. Uh, you know, majority of the year, I think you'll find trees will often uh, grow sort of east-west rather than north-south, but that's all part of the uh, the intrigue. But in terms of its actual fishing, obviously you've got the Western Australian jewfish, the bulging groper, and a huge number of pelagic fish um, that you'll get around the area. But when it does get good in terms of the weather, it is one of the best fisheries you can possibly find. Yeah, and I've just, uh, I've always, it's seen, never been on like my main radar to go to in, in WA. Just you sort of see X-Mouth yeah, as, I mean, the, X-Mouth as is the, always, the place to go, or yep, Broome. Spot on. But the beach fishing there is sensational as well. You get the whiting off the beach, the Mulloway, it's a really good Mulloway fishery there. But like you said before, the crayfish is, it's the king of crayfish. You can go there during, uh, when the when the fleet's running, and just to watch them go out and come in within their in their thousands of boats, literally, they head out there and they're out there searching for the crayfish. Uh, you can also uh, in WA you're allowed to pot your own crayfish as well. So make sure you check the rules and regs for where you are, how you are going to target the crayfish. The the, the the crayfish they target there are your white crays as such. They're not like what I get down here, your southern rock lobster. They're a little bit smaller in size, but I'm I'm told they're just as tasty to eat. Nowhere near as good, Patrick. But I'm told they're just as good to eat. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a ripping place. And like I said, might have to drop in one time with you, Patrick. Geraldton, our dream boating destination for this morning. Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis. And now you can win the dream with Club Marine. Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a Northbank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19 slash 33208. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic CIB 26 Cooler Bag. Keep food and drinks cool for your adventures. Our special guest this morning is Jace from Eden Beachfront Holiday Park. Good morning, Jace. How are you, boys? Thanks for joining us this morning, Jace. We've obviously 
Eden, Patrick, is my is my go-to destination. We speak about it nearly every week. It I mean. is. <laughs> if you could live anywhere, I reckon you'd just about live there if you weren't in Ocean Grove. Now, Jace, Eden has been incredibly lucky when it has come to the fires because um, you've dodged them, but it hasn't obviously uh, meant it hasn't had a huge impact on the Eden community. No, mate, we were pretty lucky. The, the fire did go around us. A um, few, few different wind changes and stuff all around our favour. So... That sort of worked out pretty well. Um, the yeah, a lot of a lot of businesses will, um, yeah, are still there, so it's good. Let's talk about the businesses Money. because obviously there's a bit of a not a story, but there's a perception at the moment that the the towns aren't open for business. You can't go in there. You certainly can, and obviously you got to got to check with the local industry to see whether the, the different places that you're looking to visit are safe or not. But the town is open for business, and we need to support these local communities. Yeah, mate, it certainly is. The town, the town's still fully functional. Um, everything's still running as it normally would. It's just uh, not as many people around. Um, but yeah, it's still still running like normal. Jace, now the fishing in Eden is coming in the next. Oh, I'm coming in the next few weeks, and <laughs> I, I won't lie to you. I would have without if the fires hadn't been what they were at the time. We would have already done a couple of trips up to the uh, the caravan park already uh, to set up for our fishing week or whatever we're going to do. But the fishing, the, be- the best is still yet to come for Eden as well, isn't it? So if you are wanting to fish, you don't need to go up too high in the next week or so. We're going to see some the bait ball activities of the marlin. We're also going to have the kingfish rock up um, all along the coast there. And you've also obviously got your mai mai, which I know you love targeting as well. Yeah, mate. Look, we were out there yesterday and um, they did some uh, deep dropping. So got some nice lure yesterday. Um, quite a few makos actually out there just surface swimming, um, and a couple of couple of free jumping marlin out there as well. So we were we were pretty lucky to see it, but it's looking pretty good out there. And I mean, February is our main month anyway, so she'll um, hopefully fire up and yeah, everyone can get stuck in there. Do you have a forecast, Jace, on how you think? Um, and how quickly the tourism will return because really now is the absolute best time if you want to get there and fish because there hasn't been as many people there. So you might get some of the best fishing in Australia, you know, relatively quiet compared to what it normally is. Oh, mate, uh, well, it's definitely, it's definitely the time to come up now, really, because there's hardly anybody on the ramp. And yesterday we had the whole whole front section of that. Fantastic. I mean, as soon as the Princess Highway opens up too, that'll, that'll change a lot of a lot of things. Like a lot of people will actually be able to get down here to go and ride around. So the whole key's opening up that road and let the tourists back in. Have you heard uh, much about that? That road is a, is, a, is the key road. The key. Yep. The key. Um, I guess it is the key to getting people back to Eden. Have you heard any yep. news on what they've got to? They've got to obviously drive the whole way, knocking down trees and picking up trees because if you're driving and one falls on you, it could be all over. So, have you heard any news on when it could be when it could be cleaned up and reopened? No, mate, I haven't really heard much. You know, I've heard different stories when it's both the openings that you just you just don't know which one to leave. So, it shouldn't shouldn't be too long, I hope. Um, the businesses, especially the smaller businesses in town, they need they need every bit of money they can get at the moment. So they've lost a whole entire month of their main peak season. So the sooner the better. If you are setting up for a fishing trip and you contemplate anywhere on the the coast, Eden has, like we said, copped it a fit pretty bad. So make sure you do. You do put it in the mindset to go have a look at the charts there because it could you could help this uh, this place out. Eden is roughly around 
or Jace wouldn't know because he always sits up there waiting for me to rock up. But it's been between <laughs> eight to ten hours from Melbourne, depending towing or towing or you're not towing. It uh, it's it's not a bad drive once that road opened. It's quite a good drive. You hit the hills just before Eden, and basically it's it's God's gift, I reckon, that place. Jace, talk to us about the caravan park uh, itself and how it's set up for. Um, for tourists, but also for anglers, just how easy it is to use, store your boats, etc. Uh, well, we've got we've got 42 cabins that we run out. A lot of them on the beachfront. Quite a few new villas on the beachfront. We do advise do advise the the guests to give us a you know a call and let us know they are bringing big boats. We have a lot of cabins that we can um, you know you can stay hooked up to your boat with, make life easier. Then we've got a range of cabins, you know, suiting right down to single single sort of room cabins, which um, yeah, just even just a cheap backpacker cabin. Um, plenty of powered sites, on suite sites as well. We're in toilets and showers. Uh, makes it a bit easier with a kid. Um, nice big rec room as well, um, and a boat wash. So when, not, too, not too bad at all. You've also got facilities there which help people like myself coming up for a week who don't have a freezer if we wanted to chase a shark. You've got burly logs for sale. You've also got uh, freezers out the front that the public, or not the public, but your guests can uh, can use as well to store to store things as well, Jace. Yeah, mate. We've, we've got a couple of big freezers at the front of the park um, that guests can use. Uh, we've also got bait and ice sales, um, small shops for bits and pieces as well. So it's um, pretty much everything you need, really. And then a local tackle shop in town for all your gear. Really? Jace, we were talking uh, off air before you came on, um, just around how the smoke has or had affected the locals because literally you'd, you'd been in such a smoky environment for such a long period of time. How have people dealt with that? Oh, mate, I think everyone deals with it differently. Um, there's a lot of asthmatics have had a few, few issues. You breathe it in for long enough, it starts to hurt the old throat a bit. Yeah, look, it's pretty, pretty hard to run a business too when you can't see what you're doing either like some of the visibility has been yeah horrible so you can't even see the boat ramp from the from the, from the uh, park so it's um, all started to clear up now and yeah so it's actually a little bit easier at the moment and there's a sneaky discount at the moment jace we have been uh, uh, there is, trawling always, <laughs> trawling through your facebook always, jace <laughs> <laughs> there's always discounts mate what do we got um, what do we got on offer come on Oh, mate, you know, come February, we do the fishing discount as well um, for all the fish shows and fishing. We have quite a few fishing clubs coming in as well. Um, so pretty much, yeah, we, we do all the different discounts on cabins and, yeah, get an extra night if you stay for four nights, I think it was. Yeah, it's pretty handy. One good thing about this place, Pat, is... One good thing. You've one, told th- me. No, this is you, the one, the number one. You never stop talking no, about the it. The number one good thing... No, no I'm talking about the caravan, not Eden itself, talking about the, just the caravan park is... If you do get a hook in your foot, the ambulances can get to you. <laughs> Chase was there. Uh, it, actually all, it all depends on how much you scream. <laughs> well, Jace. Jace was an eyewitness for the I've day. never actually seen anyone complain for so long about just a little hook in their foot. What was it like ground zero when he was just... I was all right. Uh, yeah, it's um, got to be hectic. I think Whitley sort of was more worried about anything. You would have thought his foot yeah. was cut off. Actually, it sort of the amount of noise he made. It was like it was severed at the knee. Actually, so. <laughs> oh, all the good things I say about this bloke. Isn't he? <laughs> uh, thanks for that. Hey, Jace, we really appreciate you coming on Real Adventures this morning and talking about Eden Beachfront Holiday Park, which you run. Obviously, it is one of the best fisheries around Australia, Redmond. We encourage everyone to get back and support the local economy. And if you want great fishing, 
there's none better than Eden. So thanks for your time this morning, Jace. No worries at all, boys. No worries. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, see you then. Thanks, Jace. That was all aboard for Dometic. Dometic Mobile Living made easy. It's time for Red's review, and Sammy Goodwin joins us this morning to talk about dry ageing, specifically tuna this week, given off the back of the huge tuna catching that we've, uh, we've seen throughout the week, Redmond. Good morning, Sam. G'day, boys. How you doing? Take us through uh, the creation of mould, because <laughs> let's be honest, what Sam's going to take us through now, he's... he's <sighs> Patrick, it's it's kind of grosses me out a bit, but he's, he's the end result. The is end result fish, is a beautiful fish, but it still makes me feel a bit funny, Sammy. I'll start with this, Pat. Last week, I ate eleven day old kingfish, and it tasted better than the day we caught it. How do you think about that? Well, that concerns me. Now you're obviously <laughs> not just leaving it outside for eleven days, Sammy. I've tried so, it, and I create a maggot farm. What, what's the process? Catching, you know, preserving, keeping, and then eating. Well, it's nothing new. I mean, it's a pretty old Japanese technique, but it's kind of been brought back into the spotlight over the past um, probably two years by a chef in Sydney called Josh Nyland at um, St. Peter Restaurant in Paddington. And it, he's just kind of brought to light that the way we handle and store fish in Australia isn't really what it should be. And that's why we have that nature that fresh is best and you're always trying to eat it on day one. Whereas in reality, if you um, kind of compare fish to the way a butcher would handle beef, you know, there's so much potential um, to store these fish better, um, especially with those high-fat content fish like kingfish and tuna that we're seeing come into our waters now, where he's storing them 10 to 15 days and saying they are prime for eating. And as I like got last week, 11 days on a kingfish, and it was like, blow your mind good. I pan-fried it. And you get skin that's crispy like pork crackling, and it actually kind of tastes like roast pork. How do you get? How do you actually store it though? Like, are we talking? Are you, are you hanging the fish? Or are you just throwing it in a freezer? Like, when I picture storing, he, I'm picture like you're just putting it in the cardboard cupboard. box. <laughs> in the restaurant, they do hang it on butcher's hook, like a butcher would, and dry hang it. It's re. It's a bit tougher in a um, domestic environment with the smaller fridges we've got. But what I've managed to do. Um, with the kingfish in particular, you know, we were caught five, six kilo fish last week. And, you know, I just cut the head off, cut the tail off, so it's a manageable length to fit in the fridge. And then I've gutted it and scaled it, and then you have to keep it dry. You're never letting the fish touch fresh water after you've got it out of the water. Yep. Keep it dry with a bit of paper towel. Can I, can I just – I know the – I just want to take us back to you just before you go to the next part. The scaling of it is extremely important, how you do that. Yeah, again, it's – um, about not letting it hit any water. So when I've gutted it, I've small incision through the belly and you take it out and I'm not rinsing any of the blood out. You're just getting your paper towel and you're driving, so you're wiping it and you're keeping it dry because as soon as you let that water hit the fish, it's promoting bacteria. So bacteria needs moisture to grow and if you're not giving it any, then it's not going to grow and it's going to allow you to store that fish safely in your fridge for 10, 15 days, 20 days, 30 days without any smell whatsoever. I know it's hard to believe. Pat's sitting here with faces going sideways. 30 days! <laughs> but when, you're using, days, when you're using the knife, Sammy, though, you're actually taking the actual scale, uh, the, the, I guess what the scale sits in on the fish itself, you're actually taking that out. Yeah, so what you'll see, normally when someone's scaling a fish with your normal scaler, 
You're left with these tiny little um, pockets, I suppose you call them, where the scale sits into. And you can see it really clearly on like a snapper when you do it. They're little C-shaped pockets that scales come out of. When you scale a fish with a knife, so you're getting a really sharp knife and you're starting at the tail and going against the grain of the scale, get a, like a little soaring action and you're cutting the scales off and you can actually cut it off in a whole strip from the head to the tail and get it off dry without using the scaler, without washing it with water and hang it. You can hold it by fingers and it will hang 30 centimetres top to bottom a full strip of scales and you've got that off cleanly and keeping the skin dry. Yep, keep going to where you were, sorry. I just like that. I reckon that's awesome. Um, we've, so we've dry scaled it, we've dry gutted it, you're not washing it, you're wiping it with paper towel the whole time, head, tail off, wrap it in a, tea, a really dry, clean tea towel and in your fridge and what that tea towel is doing it's actually protecting the fish from the fan in your fridge, dry, drying it and turning it to jerky. So we want it to be able to breathe, which that fabric of the tea towel is allowing the fish to breathe, but without turning it into a really dry jerky. So obviously so if you wrapped it in foil or you wrapped it in glad wrap, it, it would be counterproductive. It wouldn't be able to breathe. It, it, would, yeah. hold, it would create what, moisture, wouldn't it? Yeah, what's a non-porous material like a foil or a cling wrap doing is not allowing the fish to breathe and you're straight away going to get a bit of moisture build up in there, which is what we're trying to prevent. So by putting in a tea towel, you're allowing moisture to get out without the fan hitting it and really drying it. Are you using, are you using this same technique for the tuna and how you treat the tuna? Yeah, tuna is a bit of a tougher one to manage. I mean, we've got our... We got a fish during the week, and this is the first one I'm trying, so I'll probably have more results next week. Um, but I've seen the way we've done it is you're taking three of the loins off, and you can leave a quarter on the carcass. But the whole time I'm leaving them on the carcass because it provides an extra bit of protection and makes it easier to manage. So I've got one loin left on the carcass, and you can trim all your other bones off, and you can leave a length about a foot long or however long you need to fit your fridge. And you can just do that portion of the fish. So you don't have to keep a whole fish in your fridge the whole time, Pat. And the key to cooking it, Sam? Um, depends how you want to do it. Like, I even ate that uh, 11 day old kingfish raw, <laughs> which it, it just has that extra depth of flavour over the fresh, fresh fish. And it's lost a bit of the moisture content. It's by no means dry, but it's a bit firmer to bite. So you can still eat it raw. What's going to happen, you're probably going to lose a centimetre or two off each end where it has turned to jerky, but all that's doing is protecting all that beautiful flesh in the middle. So that is more than edible. And with the kingfish, their skin is really good for pan frying. So once that's dry aged for 11 days and the skin has dried out and you can feel it, you can nearly hear your finger tapping on it. That means it's really good for pan frying too. So by the time I put that skin side down, it's a really hot pan with a bit of grapeseed oil and you want to put a little bit of weight on top so that doesn't curl up and then leave that for three to four minutes and that skin's going dark, golden and crispy. You can jump on my Instagram account. I did it last week and I've got a photo up there and you can see this looks like pork crackling. We're going to have to leave it there, Sammy. We are <laughs> going to catch uh, up with you next week and, and see how this tuna went. Into greater depth around tuna for Red's review. But Sammy Goodwin, thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. Thank you, boys. And for those out there, he's possibly mad. Red's tip of the week for New Age Caravans. Visit your local New Age Caravan dealer today. 
time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans designed for the road ahead. Redman, this week, it's pretty simple. You're talking about Max Tracks. Yeah, the tip is don't forget them because, honestly, <laughs> if I had a Adam Pat, I wouldn't have been there for two and a half hours. Now, it's, there's a whole lot of different uh, variations of... Um, the tracks that you can buy in outdoor stores. The one that we've chosen is the most expensive. We've both bought them. I bought mine from Anaconda, and you can get them online. Um, for details on Max Tracks, you can literally head to their website, maxtracks.com.au. Um, they're 300 bucks, Redmond, so they are expensive, but you really do get uh, for what you pay for because they are the best in the market. And they don't seem like much, but, and you, honestly, I look at them going, I chuck them under the wheel. How in the hell is that going to do that much? Like, when, you, when you're stuck, you're stuck. And I'm thinking, how's this going to do it? Like, and honestly, I'm not an expert in forward driving. I do like a little bit of it, but I'm no, nowhere near an expert. But when I went to Robe last year, I learned a hell of a lot in the sand. But these maxis, if you are doing any sort of beach launching, they will get you out of a situation they really they really will especially with a boat like I traveled road with a tinny on the back I think it was a five and a half meter little tinny and what we I traveled the whole way with it on the back I just kept getting out with the maxis so yeah. they are really really good don't forget them when you go on beach launching and they'll work a treat for you that was Red's tip for new age caravans take your caravanning experience to the next level New Age Caravans, designed for the road ahead. To finish off our Real Adventures show this morning, it is the Flying Gaff. The Gaff is a pretty simple one this morning because we have one expert in our show, on our show, and that's obviously Aaron. But for a so-called expert to be bogged for two hours, it's just got me questioning two and why... And a half. why <laughs> <laughs> two and a half. Why, well, Could have been three. <laughs> questioning why we have you as our expert on the show. Uh, I, uh, two and a half I hours. Even, I'm accepting it. You can fly gaff me, free gaff me, whatever you want to do. It's time to go <laughs> fishing. Aaron, try and not get bogged. This Let's week. go get some tuna. <laughs> See you next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.